Welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast with resident strength coach, John Carroll. The Pillars of Health is on a quest to help you gain insight into the best ways you can manage stress, sleep, exercise, and nutrition in order to live your best life. Stay up to date with the Pillars of Health podcast by checking out our Facebook and Instagram pages, as well as CoachJohnCarroll.com. Great to be back on another episode of the Floors of Health. I've got my main man, Alex Tansky, joining me today. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, John. Thanks again for having me on here. Of course. <laughs> just, had, just had Mickey uh, making his bed over there, so he was digging a hole and then rolling around in it. So. Which you said that's exactly how you get in the bed. <laughs> I don't see any other way. So. <laughs> topic of today we are going over reasons why and why not to train like a bodybuilder and when I was coming up with this topic or when it came to me one thing that kind of dawned was that as a strength coach this is the evolution of a strength coach really but it also happens for people who just are training themselves working out whatever it may be I got into training by seeing these muscular guys and muscle mags and I was like oh I want to be buff and ripped and all the buzzwords that go with that and I'm you know trained like a bodybuilder but then as you want to progress and obviously for me playing sports it was more of a performance thing there was a better way to train right so that was kind of my evolution as to why I got away from training like a bodybuilder what about you yeah I think it was pretty much the same where I kind of got into it where I would I think initially go to do like some bicep curls and whatever and i would just be like lord bless me for these gains i'm about to receive (laughs) (laughs) um but i think i think you know it 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 started that way where i was like "Mm, gotta get my calves bigger (laughs) gotta get gotta get everything bigger but then you and i think this was really just kind of as you were saying like the progression of as you learn more where when i was in college uh just from not training correctly basically missed most of my sophomore year and then um just from elbow injury where i was training like a bodybuilder when i look back at what i was doing then and how it applies to sport and it was just so terrible and it's like if i had a delorean and could have jumped it jump it to 88 i would go back in time and just kind of try to train a little differently but um but yeah i think i think that was my first glimpse into everything. And I think as you learn, as you progress, um, you see that there's better, better ways to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Yeah. So the other thing that really strikes me about, you know, if you start training like a bodybuilder and then you are still maybe years later, you're in your thirties and your forties and you're still doing that body part split chest and back by his tries, whatever it was, and you may have some nagging injuries that keep flaring up and you may be in pain when you do squats or deadlifts that's a red flag as to that modality of training right exactly there's a couple of people that i have learned just from down here just met them through training through different different places one guy told me that he's he's basically just been doing bodybuilding for about 25 years and he told me he hit it he feels like he hit a plateau 20 years ago but lo and behold that's the only thing he really knows so he kind of sticks with that um and then there's someone else who really no one knows bodybuilding but they can't squat or deadlift um or else it results in back pain correction when they don't deadlift with me 
they get back pain. But anyway, uh, beyond the point. So yeah, I think I think you just got to always evaluate rather than I think what a lot, a lot of times what happens is we kind of go through the motions and we just go through the motion of what we know and what we know is working out in our head. And we don't necessarily always think and analyze and um, kind of game plan like maybe that worked for this, but maybe it's not working now. Um, let's reevaluate. So. Right, right. And that kind of fits into the evolution of your training practices, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now, the reason we bring this up, and it's not to say that there isn't a time and a place for bodybuilding or, you know, no one should bodybuild. There's lots of people who compete and train to be a bodybuilder, and that is totally fine. We're really kind of focusing towards people who may have that nine to five job who may not feel optimal athletes, uh, people who are in their older age bracket and, uh, just want to feel good and enjoy their life. Yeah. And I think there's a certain probably a, There's a certain time definitely for bodybuilding. So, um, I think the probably the best thing is to clear that out from the start. So if someone's actually competing as a bodybuilder, then obviously you need to do some bodybuilding, <laughs> right? So uh, I think that's first off. So if that's a goal you have, uh, and again, that's probably going to be less than 1% of the population. So I think the other thing is sometimes it's just fun to cycle through. So if someone does like a powerlifting program and then they go through something else and then like for the next couple months of the year, they're just like, you know what? I just kind of want to do something different. Like that's totally fine. I think the, the big difference is when bodybuilding is the only thing you do and the only thing you know it's not a great fit for, as, as you said, most, most of the population, because what we want to think of, we want to think of exercise and how we can get our goals in the most efficient, sustainable and results driven way. Um, and really to do that is through strength training in a progressive way that is applicable to everyday life. So that's not necessarily bicep curls and tricep extensions and, and leg curls. That is squats, that's deadlifts, that's push-ups, that's chin-ups, all the various progressions that you can go from there. Um, because then you can really see your progress, which if you're, if you're really just looking to build bigger arms, like how are you really going to measure it besides measuring your arms? And building muscle is probably one of the toughest things to do um, unless you are like an 18-year-old guy. Um, and then you can sniff weights and maybe get a little bit more size. But for most most people, it's going to be one of the toughest things you can do. So just thinking thinking what's going to what's the most efficient path there, and that's really through um, not necessarily bodybuilding, but more of just doing the fundamentals, progressing them well, because you only really need about maybe six or seven exercises to really have a complete program. And that's complete opposite of what a lot of people think. Right, right. So before we get into the first point today, uh, I'm going to do a quick little introduction to it, my experience. So when I was playing sports back home when I was 16, 17, 18, I started training like a bodybuilder. I was playing soccer at a quite a high level, and I noticed over time just my physical performance was dropping off just because I wasn't getting that compliment from my training on from the weight room into a playing situation and so for me personally I noticed that directly what I was doing in the gym okay I you know my arms look good here and there I could see my quads abs stuff like that but there wasn't a direct correlation to my sport and I definitely felt that John you you still have those quads (laughs) 
envious. Hashtag. But our first point today is training movements, not muscles. Okay. So Alex, can you kind of talk a little bit on why training movements instead of muscles is a better approach in a lot of circumstances? Yeah. So the training movements instead of muscles, uh, this is something that I came across pretty early after I switched careers. Um, and you could say, oh, it's just all semantics, but it's really not because instead of thinking, all right, what am I going to do for my biceps? What am I going to do for my triceps? What am I going to do for my deltoids? Instead of all of those, or like, what am I going to do for my pecs? The way to think about it is let's think in terms of the big movements. So upper body wise, we want to think uh, a vertical push and a pull, horizontal push and a pull. And just to really simplify things, think in terms of lower body, thinking in terms of hip dominant and a knee dominant lift. And then thinking... Core-wise, we want to think anti-extension is usually the, bit, the things that we want to train the most. Um, so thinking in terms like that, so let's take a deadlift, for example. So I would call a deadlift a hip-dominant lift. You could also make a little bit of an argument that it's almost like a horizontal pull, but let's just stick with the first one. But in that, we're getting hamstrings, we're getting quads, we're getting glutes, we're getting adductors, we're getting, um, and that's just lower body. Then up top, we're getting lats, we're getting traps, we're getting... Uh, grip strength, we're getting forearms, we're getting a whole bunch of things. If we do it right, we're also getting some triceps. So um, if you think in terms of movements, uh, you're going to get all the muscles you want. So another good example is like a, a, a kettlebell press. So as I said before, you know, what am I going to do for my biceps, triceps, delts, chest, blah. you just press instead. And guess what? You're going to be getting everything. In fact, I think the sorest my chest has ever been recently, because I haven't benched in a very long time, because uh, it's not one of my goals and a whole bunch of things. Um, also a safety thing where you need someone to spot you. But I think the sorest my chest has been in a while is really when I was doing the fighter pull-up plan, when I was doing so many pull-ups. And I was I in about 22 sessions that I did, I did about 1,700 pull-ups. So Dang. <laughs> I did, I did the math and got really depressed that that's it's all about volume. It's true. <laughs> and I think my, like my wife was saying, she's like, I think your chest is getting bigger. And I was like, Hmm, okay. But like, lo and behold, I think she was right. Uh, just from how shirts are fitting. So not necessarily <laughs> doing like dips and a whole bunch of things. Like, let's just do things that are going to be things we can progress easily, really see our progress and things are going to be that we can apply to real life as well. Yeah. When it comes to investing your time, you want to get as much bang for your buck. And so if you're splitting up muscle parts and you have these individual exercises from a bodybuilding standpoint, that may be fine for someone who's you know, obviously a competing bodybuilder. But if you're looking to optimize your time in the gym, a deadlift is going to serve you on so many levels. Whereas you, know, you do a deadlift and maybe you do a horizontal push like a push-up or something like that you're getting a, a whole lot of everything with those two that really encapsulate your entire body. Yeah. I remember a, uh, it, there's a Dan John quote, and I don't remember if it's from a, one, of his, it's one, of, one of his books, but he basically talks about how a guy wrote to him wanting bigger quads, and he's like, name some guy who could front squat 405, which is ridiculous. But he's just like, you want to focus on bigger quads? How about you go front squat 405 first, and then let's chat. <laughs> That is one of the uh, the benefits of training and movements that you get caught up in and you learn about the power of strength, which is something we'll, we'll kind of get to in a little bit. But um, when you've been training muscles 
you're more about that that pump, that feeling of okay, you know, I've, I've engorged the muscle, I've gained that pump, and everything's good. But you're not building any true level of strength there. But there's something we'll, we'll kind of touch on in the upcoming points. Yeah. All right. So when it comes to number two, health versus aesthetics. So for me personally, I know back to my story at the beginning when I was putting my head into these muscle mags and like asking myself, how can I get as big as these guys I'm looking at? Little did I know that a lot of these guys in the magazines were on performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> yeah, same same thing. I think that's the big like the big secret no one tells like teenage <laughs> boys. Like, nope, guess what? These guys are all on steroids. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so. if you're not ever going to look like that. Also, genetics is the other thing. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so yeah. yeah, if you're putting some PEDs in the body and you're blessed with genetics, the, the, the sky is the limit. But there was me in my room as a teenager pumping away on a bench press and you know i was like well i don't know what i've got to do to get to look like these guys thankfully i never got to that level because i would not like to look like that now but when it comes to health versus aesthetics bodybuilders may look good on stage and also you know obviously in the gym some people like that look some do not but they can also be some of the most unhealthiest people around yeah agreed agreed i think and there's a few reason for the, reasons for that. I think some of it comes to just the workouts themselves, uh, where the a lot of stuff you're doing, if you and it all comes down to priorities. If your priority is really to look good for a specific pose and a specific meet or uh, show or whatever it is, like there's going to be things that you do that are probably not going to be all that best from like a joint and movement perspective, whether it's like, you know, 200 reps on a leg curl machine and a whole bunch of things. Not necessarily the best thing that's going to, for the long-term health. I think there's also a lot of just supplement use that people, people use to try and get that little bit more muscle. And I think, I think sometimes people think that those supplements are going to give them a lot more muscle. Uh, so they take a whole bunch of different supplements, which the whole supplement industry is a whole other bag, but it's just, it's just not necessarily as good as, you know, Hey, let's just get more sleep. Let's just eat better food and let's just actually like prioritize our strength training and train in a, in a much more, um, you know, kind of like functional, healthier way that consistency of getting your workouts in combined with what you just mentioned, like better sleep, eating real food, the, the roles you're going to see from that are so much more than I sleep terrible. Sometimes I'll work out depending on what day it is. And then I'm pumping myself full of supplements. And again, that's just probably not something sustainable. And you come out the other end feeling like trash anyway. So, and that's from personal experience. I've done that when I was a teenager. So <laughs> I know how that goes to follow on from what you said. And this is where kind of the, the true strength training comes in transitioning from being a bodybuilder to maybe training movements and not muscles. You start to increase strength. You start to see something like your deadlift. Okay. Where did I start? I started at 225, and now my deadlift's at 405. So you can measure progress in that respect. Or example, you know, when I started out, I wasn't able to, kettlebell swing now i can kettlebell swing 10 sets to 10 on the minute stuff like that so you're seeing a lot of progress in a lot of different areas and kind of alluding again back to what you said alex it's not oh my my arms look bigger today or i can see my six pack which could mean a whole lot of things but yeah um, yeah 
dehydration. <laughs> that, will, that will get you there. Uh, no, let's not eat for a week. That could get you there too. So, and you know what you're just saying right now is is kind of falling under this health versus aesthetics. Whereas bodybuilders obviously are when they're cutting are not the healthiest individual at all. They are seriously depriving their bodies of food and nutrients and usually eating very minimalist food where it's like chicken breast and rice and maybe a vegetable and taking in fast amounts of coffee to get through the day, which is not practical for someone who's working a job, has kids, all these other things. And again, a lot of times some bodybuilders are on performance enhancing drugs, so it's easier to train hard, recover, and then do that again the next day. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And I think the two big things is, especially with workout wise, a lot of people with that do bodybuilding, the, because the intensity of exercise that they do is just not that high. So like, you know, you're doing reps of 15 with like 20 pound weights for bicep curls. And because the intensity is not all that uh, high, they can, they basically have to do a ton of volume. And that means a ton of time in the gym to get there. And I mean, if you're, if you have a regular job and you're like 99% of people who are short on time these days, what you are probably going to benefit more from is, Hey, let's get some chin-ups. Let's get some deadlifts. Let's do some squats. Let's do a couple of different things that are going to get every muscle we want and need, but it's going to allow us to train in a much more a much more sustainable way because if you do a ton of different volume you're going to get just super sore and if you're super sore like let's say you do chest on monday well chances are you're going to be so sore that you probably can't even think about doing chest again until thursday or friday uh, or the following week it really depends on what what you've done and i can say this because i've been there where if you think more of let's train the entire body but in a way that's more time efficient so we're going to be focusing on all the other lifts i've been talking about uh that's going to just it's not as the volume isn't as high but the intensity is there so you're going to f- you're probably going to feel stronger you're going to feel a lot more empowered when you see those strength numbers going up but you're not going to be hit with that fat fatigue and that soreness that's going to prevent you from coming back the next couple of days so um, and that's really how you get good at certain lifts and certain exercises is you have to practice them frequently so if you only do pull-ups once a week because you just get so sore because you're doing all this other volume how about you don't do that other stuff but we train pull-ups three or four times a week you're going to see improvement a lot quicker and it's going to be immediately translatable into your pull-ups rather than let me do pull-ups and then lap pull-downs and then I do all these other different rows to make sure I get them back gains with a Z. I think that's fear (laughs) of missing out though, isn't it? Like that I've got to do all these things to make sure I'm covering all my bases, but you don't need all those things. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think it's a hard... Uh, it's a hard mentality to break because you're like, wait a second, are you telling me I can get the same or better results in like a quarter of the time I was spending here? And the answer is yes. And I think we're just so ingrained to more work is better and hard work is better. But if we can just train smarter, not harder, that is going to be a better, better way to do it. Boom, (laughs) boom, bomb dropped. Mic drop. He just left. (laughs) All right, number three, nutritionally not sustainable. So to give people an insight, if you're not familiar with bodybuilders and how they approach uh, competition, obviously they are looking to decrease their caloric intake the closer they get to competition. 
And then by the time they get on stage, they're probably at their most weakest, even though they look super huge and, and pretty good and ripped and all that good stuff. But for someone, again, who's trying to enjoy their life, go to work, get some sleep, being in a, an extreme calorie deficit is probably not the way to do that, right? Yeah, you're basically going to hate life yeah. uh, in general. Um, and uh, I know a couple people that have done the bodybuilding shows, um, and it is it's painful for me to watch uh, because they are just so calorie restricted, especially the week of where they're trying to get that extra little cut. Um, but they're basically like, I don't even know, but it's basically like eating lettuce and boiled chicken. <laughs> and that's basically it. Like, and then they have to like just chug all this water the day, like the day before. And there's a whole bunch of things they have to go through, but it's, it's not something that is enjoyable at all. And I think that is, there's a little bit of a disconnect when we see, when we see people like this and you're like, oh man, they must walk around like that. And they don't, um, because it's not, it's, they just can't, they can't maintain that for very long because, um, for a variety of reasons, but also, you know, let's think long-term health, immune system, a whole bunch of other systems are going to depend on not being in a caloric deficit long-term and just having a more healthy healthier way to live so. well also think about how your hormones are going to react to that constant fluctuation in food intake okay off season i'm taking in a lot more than what i would during a competition training and then that constant yo-yo up and down you do that year after year after year your hormones are not going to be happy with that yeah and there's probably going to be some adverse reaction to that yeah yep yeah, I mean, again, it, think think big picture. Where if hey, if you if you are a uh, competing bodybuilder, hey, more power to you. If you can deadlift, even more power to you. <laughs> but if you're if you're not currently that, then I think there's other as as we've been saying, there's other ways to to get there That's right. to get what you want. And like we said at the beginning, this is something that came up because we've come across a lot of people who still are training like bodybuilders, but not seeing the results, but don't know anything else so this is kind of the path they've chosen not that this is a knock on anybody who competes in bodybuilding that's not that's not what we're trying to do but just kind of shed some light on maybe other avenues to go regards a body part split cool let's get on to number four so bulking and cutting are terms that come up quite a bit in the bodybuilding circles obviously bulking can be during the off season oh and just to get to your last point if you ever look up uh, bodybuilders in their off season, you should Google that. Yeah, because yep. these guys balloon. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It is. And it's almost like I don't know. And I think it's. I think it's some of that mentality too, where instead of just thinking in terms of like, all right, well, how about I just strive each day to just kind of like be the best, like train, train, train well, and just eat the best I can on that given day. I think sometimes it, we get into certain mentalities where uh, we're like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna prep for this. So I'm I'm in a bulking season," and we just use that as permission to eat whatever we want. Which again was me at one point. <laughs> <laughs> we have all been there. So which yeah. So before this is kind of embarrassing, but before I <laughs> it's a good, oh, prelude. <laughs> always the best way to start a story, right? Um, so before I got into the industry. Um, and I had, I had met uh, my wife, Lindsay, already by then. So I would wake up in the morning, go to my fridge, and eat spoonfuls of ricotta cheese. <laughs> all right? 
and um, which is again, who eats spoonfuls of ricotta cheese? <laughs> it was me, and I, it's whatever. Um, and then I would come home. I would go to the gym, train what I thought was hard, which was not really all that hard. Come home, uh, have like four eggs, and then a bagel with like dripping with almond butter. And I even I think I had something else as well. And then I would bring two different sandwiches to work. Where and and then I forget. I don't even know what I would have for dinner. But basically, like I was just uh, where usually like carrying weight now for myself is about like 195 when i left boston i was probably around like 190 um so hashtag gains um (laughs) body fat's about the same but uh anyway but then i was about i think about 222 and i was nowhere near as strong as i am now and i also had you know back pain because of various things i was also on a desk job so it was just wasn't a good fit for a my goals b what i was doing in life and i just didn't really know anything different so yeah. Uh, do you want to know my embarrassing story? Uh, yes, of course. So I used to think I was going to get those gains by the frequency of eating. So like six to eight times a day, right? Yeah. So I used to work this job back home in Ireland where it was in an office. And I used to bring in tins of tuna. Yes. This is an open office. And yes. I would have tuna out. Everyone hated you. Exactly. <laughs> And I had had two tins of tuna every mid-morning or lunch, whatever it was. You were that guy. I was that guy. You were that guy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> B- tuna. Big tuna. <laughs> tuna. Big tuna. All right. And then to finish off today, number five, we're just going to put it all together and basically say that we believe as, as strength coaches that training should complement your life and not kind of take away from it. So putting everything that we've just mentioned into one bucket and mixing it all together. You know, we've talked about nutritionally not being sustainable, health versus aesthetics, trained movements, not muscles, bulking and cutting. It's just, it's my opinion that if you're not a competing bodybuilder, I don't think you need to be concerning yourself about cut, uh, bulking and cutting. I think you can find a, a way of eating that complements your life, that you eat in moderation, that you enjoy your food, that also aids in the process of your training goals. And for me personally, I can speak from experience. When I was younger, I utilized a lot of supplements, didn't see a whole lot of benefit, spent a ton of money. And now that I'm older and I've kind of know what's going on in the training world, again, don't know everything, but the way I'm training now, number one is time efficient. Number two, it serves my goals. And number three, it helps my body perform better not just in the weight room on the movements i'm performing but also in life itself so supplements don't really have a place in my life at all maybe some vitamin d stuff like that you know yeah but not since i moved down to sunny north carolina (laughs) that was in boston it's true although it does tend to be a little bit like a rainforest down here sometimes so i can do rainforest not not the arctic that's true that big difference (laughs) big difference but what would you what would you say in relation to the training should complement life and not really take away from it regards how you're training and the whole realm of of thinking uh, I think it goes to one of the things one of the things you mentioned before about um, where it can look like people are strong but they're not necessarily strong and again it, we training should i think I think allow you to do everything you want to do in life so that's helping someone move that's just 
you know, for a lot of people not being in pain, but then there's a lot of empowerment in really seeing yourself get stronger. So, and where that comes into play is someone can look like they have muscles, but not really be all that strong where a lot of these, a lot of these things are neural gains as well. Um, where people can, people can manufacture muscles by just doing a lot of volume, taking a lot of supplements, eating a lot, sleeping a lot. It's that's to me is a lot easier than actually getting strong and, they call it the show and the go, where the go is really just kind of how you actually lift, and the show is how you look. Um, and so a lot of people have the show but not the go, which I think is a lot more impressive. To I know when I when I always go in to um, the gym, I, I often will not be by far even like the biggest guy there, but I will be. They, people watch me deadlift. Put it this way: when I deadlift, everyone watches me deadlift. <laughs> so, so I think there's a lot to that as well. Where that actually goes to further point that you know, if you actually look at lifting heavier and not training those isolation and those body parts, um, you're not necessarily going to end up like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you're going to get a lot stronger in a lot um, more efficient way, and you're also going to see the aesthetic changes that you want. But it's not like you're going to be this overly swollen monster who eats protein for breakfast <laughs> anyway. So I think I just, I, that, that was a roundabout way of just saying like, look, if you think of just trying to squat and deadlift as heavy as you can, that's going to replace a lot of the stuff that you need. And it's going to just apply elsewhere, which is, which is I think what a lot of people want because we want to feel more athletic and we just want to be strong. So yeah. I think a great place to start is like you just mentioned, deadlifting, learning a de- number one, how to deadlift correctly. Oh, I know. The holy grail. Oh, <laughs> the perfect deadlift. Uh, and, and squat correctly as well, because you would absolutely lose your mind at how many people I've come across who are in pain on a daily basis, still going to work out, but just don't know what else to do. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. They just, again, it just comes down to some people just never been exposed to a different way of lifting. And, um, even the, the basics and the fundamentals like, Hey, when you deadlift, do you feel your lower back? Yeah, of course. You realize you're not supposed to feel your lower back and you're like, Oh no, I didn't know that. Do you feel hamstrings? No. Right. Okay. Um, so I think that's been the biggest one for us is during some assessments we've done when we show people how to hinge correctly, the yeah. big biggest feedback has been, oh, I feel my hamstrings. Yeah. And it's just like a light goes off, you know? Yep. And that is a major difference. Even that one thing they have learned, okay, I learned how to hinge. I'm not feeling my back. And when I leave after deadlifts, leave the gym after deadlifts, I'm not in pain. Yeah. Boom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a light bulb moment for so many people. Again, because I was one of those people that I always thought when you when you deadlifted, you had to have back pain for the next three days, <laughs> um, and whatever. Uh, and again, I was not like I was. I was probably lifting. Uh, let's do the math here. Uh, maybe about fifty percent of what I usually lift now. Right. right. So right. obviously, I just wasn't wasn't efficient, and I, my technique was terrible. Where I think if you show someone how to deadlift and they deadlift, let's say like it's like a twenty eight k kettlebell, and they're like, "How much is this?" I'm like, "Twenty eight k or." about 61, 62 pounds. And they're like, Oh my God, that just does, this feels so light. And it's like, yeah, cause we're actually using proper biomechanics and this is how our body's supposed to move. Right. So as well as that, they're, they're feeling muscles 
like hamstrings that they didn't know that they should feel. And even just having a coach cue them and say, here's what I want you to be aware of in this movement and maybe just focus in on hamstrings. And then obviously a little bit more uh, exposure to the movement. They can look at different parts of the deadlifts and stuff like that. But that's a great place to start. Yeah. All right, my man. Thank you so much for your input today. Thank you, John. Always good to be on here. We will catch you guys on another episode of the Pillars of Health podcast. Hope you like the topic today. If you have any ideas, shoot us an email at the pillars of health pod at gmail.com. And if you have a spare five seconds, head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five star review. One simple click will do it, and we will be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, 